apparently I forgot them all already. Oh, I must missed my chance again. <laughs> um, you can open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5, please. Ephesians chapter 5. This morning, we covered three full Old Testament, even, chapters in the Bible. And so that's a lot for one message. And so tonight, I want to try to balance that. So if the teeter-totter's like this, I want to kind of bring it back to balance. And tonight, we're going to cover a whopping one verse of Scripture. Now, I'm not going to read just one. I want to read the context leading up to it and then just a little bit after it. So we're going to focus on Ephesians 5.1 tonight, but let's start back in 17. To give you a little context here, Paul is going to talk about what happened to the Ephesians when they got saved. He's going to talk about how they used to be, what happened to them, and then he's going to give them instructions to live. And in this list of instructions to live, he's going to say this one more, he's going to make this command to them amongst many and we want to focus on that one tonight and that'll be kind of a theme that we'll cover in the next couple Sunday nights when we're together so 417 follow along with me Uh, let's go ahead and pray and then we'll open the word together father we love you thank you for this evening lord that we can come back here and devote ourselves to the study of your word father I pray that as we go through this section our minds would be renewed father I pray that it would instruct us and it would give us strength to live this week in a way that honors you In your son's name we pray, amen. Ephesians 4, 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer live or walk or live the way the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. They have become callous and given themselves over to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity, But that is not how you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and having been renewed in the spirit of your mind, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for your members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone who is in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, almost like a summary of everything he just said as far as commands go. Therefore, 
Be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. In this passage, Paul kind of walks through the Christian life uh, for the believers in Ephesus and he gives them a list of commands to follow that should be the natural result of coming to learn Christ and to know Christ, to be saved. And then he says, therefore, be imitators of God as dearly beloved children. So that's what we want to focus on tonight, just that statement, be imitators of God as dearly beloved children. Tonight I want to ask three questions, and I want to answer them in this text. What does it mean to imitate? Can we actually imitate God? We're commanded to, but God is spirit. We've No one's seen God's face anytime. Can you actually imitate him? And then if we do imitate him, how should we go about doing that? So what does it mean to imitate? Can we imitate God? And if we do, how are we to go about doing that? Um, so let's talk. What does it mean to imitate? Uh, we probably know this, but anytime I want to know what something means, I just look it up in the dictionary. So I literally look this word up in the dictionary, and I'll tell you what this means. It means to muse a thing or to intend to simulate or copy something else or thing. So you're trying to copy something. Another definition I found was the action of using someone or something as a model. Okay, I understand that too. And then lastly, it came from the word that means, the, the word where we get the word mimic. Like, you know a mime? Like a mime who puts face paint on and he, he kind of copies things. All those are wrapped up in the idea of imitation. So I think we know what this means, but there's a story of one time on when I imitated that I'll tell you, and maybe that'll help you understand. So I'm like five or six years old, and we go out to my grandpa's my grandpa's farm i'm a city boy uh, but my grandparents had a small farm west of des moines and my grandpa he had been in the service and then he worked at the postal service and he retired from there and then he got a hobby farm of like 80 acres and so we'd go out from time to time and you know when you're like five or six you want to see a tractor and so he said you know my dad said you know today we're going to go out and get a tractor ride and i was really excited about this and so we went out and grandpa went to the tractor and he went to start it and he's trying to start it and it's not starting and I'm you know five I don't know what's going on and so my dad and him go up and they start working on this big green tractor can't get it started they're fiddling with it and he gets up he tries again tries again still won't start they get down they work on it again still doesn't start he gets up the last time and and then boom it backfires, this big, loud explosion. You know, I'm five, that was kind of cool. And uh, then, Grandpa said something. Really loud. And he didn't seem real happy about it. And I can't repeat it because it only had four letters. And, uh, you know, I'm like, oh, that's weird. And then my dad's like, uh, we're gonna, come on, it's time to go eat. <laughs> oh, okay, so we go inside to eat, and, you know, okay, interesting. And so we're eating, and my grandma's a really good cook, and we're all around the big table, and we're passing the food. And I don't remember what it was. It was probably one of those like weird casseroles. It's like marshmallow cream and fruit and marshmallows and stuff and Jello. I don't know. And I remember I, whatever I had is I went to scoop it and I dropped the spoon on my plate, and I, boop. I said the same word Grandpa did, and it was funny because the whole dinner table, everyone's talking. My aunts and all. And then everyone just goes back. To, it's like everyone paused. Did we hear that? 
And then they just go right back to talking. And, you know, I don't know. My poor mom was probably super embarrassed. And I don't know what dad was thinking. So I passed the food. And we go another few minutes. And you're, you know when you're, like, using a knife and then you, like, slip? Like, when you're pushing really hard, you know when you're, like, five? Something happened. And I decided, boop, I'm going to say the word grandpa did again. And this time the whole dinner table is, like, Hey, look, you know, who's this little kid who's just potty mouth all over that? I mean, he's just letting it. You know, they're all staring, and my mom is mortified. <laughs> and she turns, and she says, Andy, honey, do you know what that word means? And, you know, really confidently, I'm like, well, yeah, Mom. That's what you say when the tractor won't start. <laughs> and my grandpa... <laughs> just went pale and then everyone started laughing and I'm five. I don't know what just happened. <laughs> Everyone's laughing. Now you're laughing too. And you're not laughing because I was talking inappropriately. You're laughing probably because you can totally understand a five-year-old doing that. That's like what little kids like to do. They like to copy other people, especially their parents or their grandparents. And so the idea of imitation, it makes sense to us. We, we get it. Uh, what makes for a good impersonation? Well, usually if you look like the person you're trying to impersonate, that's a really good way to do a good impersonation. Do you remember when George W. Bush was president and there was that guy who just had this uncanny, like, facial similarity? His ears were a little bit wider. His hair was kind of the same. And so he would dress up like the president and do impressions. And I think eventually they even got the actual president and him to go side by side. And it was just uncanny the way this guy looked like him. Now, the same thing happened. Did you see the guy who would do that when Barack Obama was president? I mean, these two guys were, like, identical. He could even talk like him. And so if you want to do a really good impersonation, looking like the person, like really closely like the person, is one way that, man, that's a really good imitation. But there's actually another way to imitate someone where you actually don't have to look like them at all. And yet, people know you're doing an impersonation. Uh, I'll give you an example. So I... I don't have the best posture, I work on it, but I usually am like a little bit hunched when I walk around, you know? And I'm at this job with my other coworkers, and they tell me on occasion, hey, you need to stand up straight. This is before I worked at Faith. And uh, I would eventually just, you know, be in my like kind of hunched over mode while I'm working. And eventually my buddy started jokingly calling me a turtle when I would do this, you know, because I kind of look like I'm ready to go into my shell. And so, you know, sure enough, I'd be working away and he's like, turtle. Turtle, he's just saying turtle, and oh yeah, I got it. So one day I'm walking somewhere with him and my boss, and we're talking, and we're just chit-chatting, and I'm, and then I look over and I'm like, man, they're, they're both like doing this hunchy thing. What are they, you know, I'm like, why are they walking like that? Oh, oh, I knew exactly what they were doing. They were, they were copying me. They were doing this thing that I was known for doing. Now, if you saw these two, neither of them looked like me. One guy has got a huge beard, Another guy is much more slender than I am. And, and so no one would mistake me for those people. But because they were copying so well this one thing that I was doing, it was a really good impersonation. This, All this stuff that we're talking about, about imitating, that's what's behind the thought here. Paul is saying you need to be imitators. And that means you, you need to try to look like the person that you're going to imitate. You need to at least impersonate the significant parts of them. 
But even if you, if you can't look perfectly like him, you should be known that what you're doing is like that other person. Now, who are we to imitate? Well, we're to imitate God. If I told you to do an impersonation of me or imitate me, I'm a human, you're a human, we can do that. But God is pure spirit. No one has seen God the Father at any time. So is it possible to imitate him? I would say no and yes. I would say no, you can't imitate God, but yes, you can. Well, what do we mean? Let's have a quick reminder of the character of God. God is everywhere at all times. So right now, God is in this room, but right now, God is in China. Right now, God is in the farthest reaches of space because God is immaterial. And something we learn as we read the Bible is that he is everywhere all at once. And we have a fancy technical theological term for that. Omnipresence. Omnipresent. He's always there. He's never absent, actually. Is there any way I could ever do that? <laughs> could you do that? No. I can even be in two places at once, let alone all places at once. So if, if you say imitate God, I can't do that. What about his knowledge? God knows everything, and not just everything from the present moment all the way back into the past. He knows everything from the present moment all the way into the infinite future. He has command of every piece of knowledge that's in this universe. Let me tell you, I've spent many hours in the library, but no matter how many hours I spent in a library studying, I could never know all that God knows. God is omnipotent. That means he's all-powerful. I mean, looking at me, you can tell I never work out. <laughs> Honestly, you can be honest. But even if I did, if I went to the gym every single day, I could never be as strong as God. So when Paul says, be imitators of God, there are some, some elements of God that we could never, ever remotely come close to being like. But, and it's good to be reminded of God's character, isn't it? But that's not the part of God that he wants us to imitate. When it comes to God's character, there are parts where we would say, can we imitate God? And we would answer, yes. So think about God. He is love. In fact, in our verse, it says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. And then what does it say right after that? And walk in love. And then what's the example we're given? As Christ loved us and he gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God so here he tells us imitate God oh and by the way Jesus who is God he loved us so you should love just like he did well how did Jesus love he was willing to sacrifice even himself for us so when we love others are we willing to sacrifice for them if we are guess what you're imitating God so can you imitate God? Well, parts of him, no. But parts of him, yes. Yes, you can. Uh, there's, you know, think about God being kind and merciful. You can be kind. Now, you, you could be kind in some ways, but why are you kind? Because God has been kind to you. Be tenderhearted, said forgiving one another as Christ forgave you. There's a gentleness and a kindness to God. There's another verse that says the reason that we repent is not God's harshness, but it is God's kindness that leads us to repentance. So there really is ways that we can embody God's character to the world around us. Um, <clears throat> so I would say that 
Can we imitate God? Yes. Certain parts of him. So we should try to do that. So what does it mean to imitate? We've talked about that. Can we imitate? Yes, we can. Well, how should we go about doing that? Notice that it says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Why throw that beloved children comment in there? Why do that? Um, again, it's the children angle. When children love someone or they are loved by someone, they want to be like them. So now I'm going to be a, kind of dangerous as a preacher here. I'm going to talk about one of my children who's actually present, but probably pick up on it here in a minute. Uh, when my son was one and a half years old, he was toddling around the house. Uh, he started doing this funny thing. He, uh, he, he would kind of walk and he'd kind of like lean way back and then like walk around and laugh. And I couldn't figure out what he was doing. He'd like lean way back and walk around and then just start laughing. And uh, you know, what's he doing here? And, and so then he one day he leaned way back and he walked right up, up to me and he bumped into me and then he laughed really hard. And I thought, what is he doing? Why is he? <laughs> he's laughing right now. <laughs> Why is he doing that? He's, it's like he's sticking his. Oh. <laughs> oh, come on. You know, dad, dad has what he affectionately refers to as a seminary physique going on down here. Okay. Oh, he, he's trying to look like me. Oh, come on. He's laughing. <laughs> So I couldn't figure out for the life of me what was going on, but he would do that. But he, he's done that many times. Now, all of you who are in the room and are parents, I bet you if we stopped right now and I said, give me examples of when your children have done that, I bet we could all come up with really funny times where our children have done that. Maybe it's the, the child who the dad has a job and he works, you know, he's like a physical labor person. And so what does the son do? Well, he goes and he gets his giant boots sometime and he he tries to stand in them, and the boots come like all the way up past his knees, and he tries to walk around, and he says, look, I'm dad, you know? Or like uh, maybe a daughter. She goes and puts the, the high heel shoes on and throws on like a dress that's way too big and then takes the lipstick and like puts it on, you know, all over, trying to be like mom, not exactly like there. Well, why do children do that? They're natural copycats, but part of it is I really think they love their parents, they, they want to be like their parents. Or, or why do, you know, as teenagers, what do they do? They have, maybe they have some sort of an icon that they really like, a sports figure or a, a, a movie star or something, and they really like that person. What do they start doing? They kind of dress that way. They talk like the person. We often imitate what we love. And that says something about what you allow your heart to really draw itself to. But also think about this. What about the teenager who doesn't really care much for his parents at the time? Maybe they've had a falling out. And so that teenager, or maybe it's a younger, or maybe it's an older child, uh, because they don't like that person, they begin to try to distance themselves. There's some hurt, there's some difficulty, and they don't want anything to do with that. They don't want to be like that person. They actually try to be the opposite. Um, I knew a guy, I worked with him, and he had a first name that he did not go by. And I didn't know this for a long time. And in our computer system at the job I was at, we had this service that we offered, and, and you know, employee discount. And so he'd come back one day to do that, and he said, hey, can you sign me up for this part, and I want to do this. And I was like, sure. And I went to search for him, and this is before, like, Google and stuff, so it was the old green screen computer that 
unless you spell the name just perfect, it's not pulling up who you're looking for, okay? Usually you want to pick those computers up and just throw them. And so I'm typing this up, and I cannot, I mean, I've, I know I'm spelling his name right, but I said, you know, I'm really sorry. I can't, it's not pulling you up. And he goes, oh, yeah, it's, it's under my first name. I mean, I'd known this guy for five or six years. I didn't know he had a different name. I said, oh, what's your first name? And he kind of under his breath said, oh, it's uh, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, I didn't know that. And pulls it right up. And I start talking. And I said, oh, and I, I said something like maybe I just used it as his name. And he said, oh, don't, don't call me that. I go by blah, blah. And I was like, oh, but I like blah, blah, you know. And, and I think it sounds good. And he, he said, don't ever call me that. Oh, okay. Sorry, I'd, I, sorry, I'd, and I just, I didn't know what to say, and he says, I'm named after my dad, I don't ever want to be called that, and I come to find out later that his dad and he had a falling out, and it was a situation where his dad had heard him, kind of like walked away, and so because of that, he switched, he didn't want to na- use that name because he was named after his dad, and so he didn't want anything to do with him, he wouldn't even use his name, he, he switched and started using his middle name. And so here, there's a really important point here. We'll probably camp here for just a minute. When Paul tells us to imitate God, it's important that he tells us the manner or the motivation. Imitate God as beloved children. You see, we should imitate God, and we should do it because we love him and we want to serve him, but we should remember when we imitate God, We're imitating a God who loves us. In fact, this may be good for you to ask this question. When you think of God, do you think of someone who loves you? You know, we can slip into having wrong pictures of God. You know, I mean, we can think God exists everywhere at all times, and he's all-powerful, and he's all-knowing. But sometimes we can slide into having a wrong understanding of God. Maybe we have this idea that God is perpetually annoyed with us. He just must always be annoyed by me. I know I never measure up. He just must be just a little bit bothered by me all the time. Well, that may be the way we think of other people who annoy us. But God loves us. He actually loves you so much. He allowed his son to go and to die for you. And his son, it wasn't like it was begrudging. I mean, he didn't want to. He knew it would be painful, but he loved you and definitely wanted to do it because he loved you. He knew it would be painful, but he was ready to give his life, and he did. So we might think of, we get annoyed by people, and we just always think of them that way, but God loves you. You may think God is just waiting and watching for you to mess up so he can punish you. And we may treat other people that way, waiting for them to mess up so we can punish them. Maybe we're waiting for them to wrong us so we can hold that over their heads for the rest of their life. Maybe we're just ready and waiting for the chance to be bitter and angry at someone. But that is not the character of God. God forgives you. He is tender-hearted towards you, and he loves you. So when Paul says, imitate God, It is not a God who is ready to punish you because he delights in hating you. It's not a God who is just always annoyed at you and just really wants nothing to do with you, but he knows it's the right thing to die for you. So fine, son, go die for those 
silly humans we really don't care much for. This is a God who did that because he loves you. In fact, I would say he loves you more than anyone ever will and anyone ever could. Do you see how if you misunderstood the character of God, it changes everything about the way you live this life for him? So God's, so Paul here says, command, you should imitate God. But he makes sure to point out as beloved children because you are beloved by God. God loves you. God loves you. Think about that. Let that dwell in. And because of that, imitate him. In fact, he designed us to be made in his image to look like him as we live. Think about this. <clears throat> as you go out and live your life and you are kind to people who are not kind to you, they may not realize it, but you are being, like in a sense, you're imitating God in front of them so they can, in a sense, in a little bit of a way, see what God is like. Every time someone wrongs you and you don't return evil for evil, every time someone is in need and you help them without asking for anything in return, every time someone sins against you and you forgive them and never hold that against them, when you do those things, you are imitating the Father to the world around you. And what better foundation for sharing the gospel is there than that kind of a testimony to the world around us? So, it, you know, what does it mean to imitate? It's, it's like to copy. There's one other idea, though, that we haven't mentioned, that in the Bible, when it says to imitate, there's another element there, and it means to follow after. So that's, we get that. If you're a sports fan of a certain team and you're always wearing their logo and you're always trying to catch up on them and see what they're doing, people would say, oh, yeah, that guy follows the whatever, or she really follows that team. Or, or maybe you try to live just like this other person. Oh, he's a follower of that person. There's imitation and then there's following, and both ideas are wrapped up here. Now, let's hear after we've understood this, let's ask a different question. Imitating is something I think we do all the time, no matter what. So maybe you're not imitating God. Ask yourself this question. Who have you been imitating, let's say, in just the last week? If you were to, you know, in football, you'll have a football game, and the game will get done, and the high school coach will have had someone recording it with, like, a video camera. And then the coach will watch the game back and say, oh, my quarterback made a mistake here. I need to talk to him about that. Oh, my linebackers were not paying attention there. They did that three times. I really need to talk to him about that. A lot of times that's what coaches do. If you had a recording of your week and someone else were to watch it back and you were to ask them, what have I been imitating all week, how would they answer? Like who or what would they say you have been imitating? I think that's a question we need to perpetually ask ourselves as Christians. You know, a lot of Christianity today even wrongly is trying to imitate something other than the Lord. I think sometimes Christianity is trying to imitate the culture at large. And sometimes Christians, by not really focusing on imitating God, just end up imitating secular people or unsaved people or, or even just the world system that's around you. So who are you imitating and who have you been imitating? The last question that we want to really talk about here for a moment is, how could you really imitate a person? 
if you don't really know that person very well. So, like, think of the George W. Bush impersonator. He looks just like George W. Bush, but if he got up there and he didn't sound at all like him, you might say, well, he looks like him, but he really didn't do an impression. The part that makes that impression so convincing is that he can get his tone, his, ma his, his speech, like the things he says, he can get them to match. Now, you only figure those things out by getting to know the person you're trying to copycat. My friends who would do the turtle thing, they only did that because they worked with me enough that they noticed that I did it. Maybe you have someone who you've uh, done impersonations of. I have a friend who he just perpetually apologizes, like all the time. He says, sorry, sorry, oh, sorry, sorry. It's like it's a joke. And so me and my buddies, he'd say it once, and we'd all just start with sorry, sorry, sorry. It's like a, an echo chamber of sorries, and we're just messing with him. But we do that because we know habitually, oh, yeah, that's what this guy does. Uh, everyone knows that I, at school they know I drink coffee a lot, and they always talk to me about coffee because I'm always saying that. If you know, if let's say you look back last week and you say, man, I, I know that I have not been imitating God. I've been imitating the world, or I've been imitating my neighbors, or I've been imitating my friends. I need to imitate God. How can you do that if you really don't know his character that well? I would say that if that's you, open up to the book of John and start reading this week and, and ask yourself, what is God like? Who is God? What's he like? What kind of a person was Jesus? How did Jesus act? How did he live? How did he treat other people? What was his goal? What was he trying to accomplish in life? If you do that, then I think you'll be ready to start imitating God. So this week, ask yourself, who are you imitating or who are you following after? And let's all work on trying to imitate God. And remember, he's the God who loves us. So we're not imitating him because we're in trouble if we don't. We're imitating him because we're like children who know that our Father really, really loves us. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for today, Lord. Lord, I pray that this week we would remember this very simple verse, that we should imitate you as beloved children. Father, I pray that this week you would help us to set our mind on things above, Lord. I pray that we would think of truths that relate to your character. Lord, I pray that you would even remind us to get into word, to get to know who you are better so that we can imitate you more. Father, thank you for today. I pray that it was an encouragement for us, Father. I pray uh, that the scriptures that we have read would nourish our souls this week. I pray that they would set our minds and our thoughts on things above. I pray, Father, that we would be like you this week. We would be forgiving, that we would be tenderhearted, that we would speak the truth, that we would be kind. And that above all, Father, I pray that we would seek to live our lives for your will and your desires and not our own. Father, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.